Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LV podcast. We're excited you came across this message. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LV app or visit HopeChurchLV.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast to help spread Hope Church to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Morning, Hope Church. How we doing? It is good to see each of you. As I stand here this morning, while it's good to see each of you, it's also easy to see that uh, we're all different. We have different ethnicities, different cultures, maybe even different religious backgrounds. But there is one thing this morning that binds us all together, one thing that we share in common, one thing that unites us, and that is that each of us walked in here this morning wanting more out of life. We're not really satisfied with what we currently have, believing that what we have is just not enough. In fact, when I am in want or when I need something, I find myself stressed out. Anybody else like that? Like when my money gets low, my blood pressure gets high. Anybody else? Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe it's uh, you get a new job, but the same day you also get a new bill. It's always something. Or maybe it's you find yourself trusting Jesus, reading your Bible, coming to church. But then you also find out that your health is also breaking down. It's always something. In fact, you and I live in this wilderness called want a place that I'm constantly reminded of what I don't have. But it's in this barren place that I bump up against Psalm 23. That Psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In fact, one day a little girl was told that she would recite this Psalm in front of her church. So excited she went home and practiced in the mirror, she would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And now the day came. She stands in front of the church with all conviction and excitement in her heart. And she says, the Lord is my shepherd and that's all that I want. (laughs) The congregation thought she was wrong. But Hope Church, I think she was right. The more she read that psalm, the more she came to understand what you and I must come to understand This morning, that if the Lord is my shepherd, that's all that I want. But you and I know that um, life is not that simple. In fact, there's a question in here that every Christian wants to ask, but Scott, they're afraid to ask it. So I'll be the bad guy this morning. I'll ask it for you. If the Lord is my shepherd, why am I still wanting? This question is where faith and life collide. Faith says, I trust God. But life says, you still got bills that need to be paid. 
Your marriage is still struggling. Your health is still breaking down. This question is where faith and life collide. Hear me. Sometimes life asks questions that our faith struggles to answer. But there is a question, there's an answer for this question tonight. And that answer is, the reason we want more from God is due to our lack of understanding of what we already have in him. You only want more of something when you don't understand what you have. You only want more of something when you don't understand what you have. And Psalm 23 will remind you and I of what we have in God, that if you place your faith in Christ Jesus, he shall meet all of your needs. So today I want to show you four ways in which Christ is our shepherd. So turn to Psalm 23, and as you turn there, let me set the scene for you. This psalm was written by the great king, King David, the king of Israel. Scholars don't know precisely when he wrote this, but they believe that when he wrote it, he had to have peace in his kingdom. Can you see David now sitting on his throne, reflecting over his life, all the good days when life was good and bills were paid and kids were healthy, but also all the bad days when he lost his son and was chased by King Saul to try to kill him. And David comes to this conclusion as he reflects on his throne that what has followed me all of my life is the grace and mercy of God. And he dares to pick up his pen and write the 23rd Psalm. So pick me up in Psalm 23. I want to read for you verses 1 through 6. It says this, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Here it is, verse 6. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The first thing we shall see is the shepherd's position. Verse 1, David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think as David is reflecting over his life, he begins to look at how God personally walked with him, cared for him, provided for him, and David has the audacity to call God Lord, capital L-O-R-D. Now, there's many names in the Old Testament for God, but there's one name that is set apart, one name that stands by itself, and it's this name, the Lord. In Hebrew, this name means uh, Yahweh. Now, here it is. This is why this name stands apart from any other else, because it is the personal name of God. And when you see this name in Scripture, capital L-O-R-D, it points to his loving relationship with you. David says, Yahweh. Now, this blows my mind. The fact that God would introduce himself to the world as the name Yahweh means his main priority is his love and kindness to you. You didn't get that. The fact that God would introduce himself to humanity as the name Yahweh means this that the most important thing about God is his love for you. 
And David says, the Lord, the God of the universe, Yahweh, whose name means his undying love for me, he says, he is my shepherd. Now, if anyone knew what it meant to be a shepherd, it was King David. He's known as a shepherd boy. David spent most of his life as a kid tending to sheep. David knew what it meant to care for them, to walk with them, to guide them. Hear me, in the Middle East, shepherding is an Asian profession. And though it's well respected, it is still considered the lowest of all jobs. So God would allow himself to be called a shepherd. Why? Because that shows you and I his undying humility and love for you. In fact, Christ would pick up on this idea of the shepherd, God's son, God in the flesh. And in John 10 verse 11, Christ would say this. Not only am I the shepherd, but I am the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Now, Ricky, why is Jesus calling himself the good shepherd? First of all, he died for your sins. But secondly, John 10.10 says this, that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came to give life and life more abundantly. I love this. Hear me, Hope Church. Do you not understand what you have in Jesus? That when God gave you Jesus, he bankrupted heaven for you had a bad day called sin. And the grace and mercy that God gives us is just not enough for today, but he lavishes that on us. And the good shepherd says, I want to lead you. I want to guide you. I want to take you to everything that is good. This is why he's the good shepherd. Now, David says something very <laughs> amazing next. He says, this shepherd is mine. Hope Church, did you not know that all of who God is, is yours? All of his grace, all of his mercy, all of his forgiveness, all of his kindness. The God of the universe is on your side. And David says, Yahweh, God whose name means his love for me. He is my shepherd. Do you see David now on his throne simply going, so if I got Jesus, what more do I want? When David says, I shall not want, what he's really saying is this. Anything that is necessary or good for me, I trust in Jesus to take care of. And then he also says this, it also means that I will not desire more than what the shepherd gives. Oh, that changes the tune, doesn't it? If Jesus is our good shepherd, then that means whatever he allows and whatever he withholds, it must be the best for me. I will not get much amens from that, and that's all right. <laughs> but if he is the good shepherd, then whatever he gives and whatever he withholds, it must be what's best for me because God only knows how to be good. In fact, David simply says in verse 1, if I got the shepherd, that's all that I need. Uh, the great African-American pastor, uh, E.V. Hill, one day was traveling from the East Coast to the West Coast, and he was on a plane. He was tired. Didn't want to be bothered, so he pulled out the international sign to leave me alone. That's the Bible. If you don't want to be bothered, open this bad boy up and the Red Sea shall part. 
And he opened the Bible up, and uh, his Bible happened to <laughs> stumble upon Psalm 23. And for the next four hours, this great pastor, E.V. Hill, was stuck on the first three words. The Lord is. And he came to realize that everything that he needed, the Lord is. Hope Church, everything you need, everything you desire, the Lord is. So when I say the shepherd's position, this is what I mean. Jesus is in charge and deeply involved in my life. Say it with me now. I can trust him. Amen? Amen. So now we've seen the shepherd's position, but now we shall see his provision. Look at it with me, verses 2 through 3. It says this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. The shepherd's job, um, it was to lead the sheep. So if Christ is our good shepherd, we have to ask the question, what and where are you leading me to? And King David says, green pastures and still waters. Now, in our westernized mind, when I hear green pastures, this is probably what I think of. That's it. Look at it. I'm from the East Coast. I just missed this. This is called grass. This is called grass. This is called grass. I just missed it. Thank you, Jesus. Just grass. Um, but in the Middle East, it only rained a few times a year. So you would rarely ever see fields like this. In fact, the shepherds would live actually in the wilderness. So when David penned verses 2 through 3, this is probably what he was referring to. Oh, that got real quiet, didn't it? <laughs> Just not as attractive as the first picture, huh? That's, that's, that, that, yep. You can say that. That is, yep, that's 215. Anyway. <laughs> but see, even though it rained a few times a year, it was just enough for small blades of grass to grow around the rock. The rock held moisture. Just enough grass for the sheep to eat daily. Many of you are saying, Pastor Ricky, if this is what it means for Christ to be the good shepherd, I'm actually good. But that tells me that you and I miss the beauty of Psalm 23. The beauty of Psalm 23 is that not only is it poetic language, but the beauty is whatever I need, the shepherd knows where to get it. Let me say this right now. The issue with us is rarely that our needs are not met. The issue with us is that our wants are not met. Psalm 23 was not written based off your wants. Psalm 23 was written based off your needs. In fact, it is our wants that got sinful humanity in trouble. We wanted to be like God. We wanted to have all power. But what you needed was a shepherd. And guess what Christ did? He abandoned heaven, came down to earth, put on flesh. Because what you needed was not a new car. What you needed was a shepherd. And he, he gave his life that you and I may have life. Hear me. Psalm 23 is not based off your wants, but Psalm 23 is based off your needs. And if you have all you need, why are you still wanting more? Jesus Christ is not in the business of babysitting your wants. 
He is in the business of meeting your needs. The issue with us is rarely that our needs are not met. The issue with us is that we want more out of God because we don't understand what we already have in him. And I asked Pastor Scott to preach this message because of this. As one of your pastors, I can see that you're tired. You're worn out. Trying to do the best you can, but life keeps hitting you. And David says, you're worn out because you're trying to run the rat race of wanting more in your life. And David says, God makes me lie down beside him because whatever I want, he is. So Hope Church, rest. Relax. Because you have a shepherd that does not relax. You have a shepherd that knows exactly what you need. David says, the reason why I'm sitting on my throne full of peace is because I remember that because I have the shepherd, I have all that I need. In fact, I was reminded of what worry really means. Worry is dealing with tomorrow's problems on today's pasture. You don't have enough grass for tomorrow. You only have grass for today. And if the Lord shall provide for me today, then what makes you think he won't provide for you tomorrow? If you're going to insert fear in the future, you must also insert the grace of God in your future. David said, got the shepherd. So what more can I want? But then um, I have to ask you this question that is, is pivotal here. Here it is. Are you trusting in Jesus to do the very things that feel impossible for you? You cannot find rest without trust. Isaiah 26, 3 says, he keeps me in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him for he trusts in him. David not only says that he restored me, he also says the word restore, verse 3, restore. He says he restores my soul. Restoration, it means a rebirth of the soul to, to bring back to original purity. Let me bring you back to David's story. If anyone knew what it meant to have a soul restored, it was King David. For in Psalm 51, he would do a dastardly, damnable thing. And he would say in verse 12, Psalm 51, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I love that. Hear me. Many of you in here, you have walked away from God. You have chosen your sin over his love. And you believe that God cannot forgive you. But can I remind you of this, that the good shepherd specializes in bringing broken souls back to him? <laughs> David says, he gives me green pastures and still waters. He, he, he steals my heart. But he also restores my heart. So David says in verse 4, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. This is seen in John 14, 6. In John 14, 6, he would say it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. The reason you and I have forgiveness and grace and mercy is kindness because Christ gave his life on the cross for our sins. David says, you not, only, you not only rest my heart, but you restore my heart. And because you have done that, you will lead me to all good things. This is the goodness of God. 
This is his provision, that he knows what you need. He restores your weary soul, and he even leads you to all things that are good for your life. This is why he's a good shepherd. So what is the shepherd's provision? The shepherd's provision is simply this, that Jesus provides for my needs and restores my weary heart, and because of that, I will let him lead me every day. Amen? But now let's look at the shepherd's protection. We've seen his position. We've seen his provision. But now we shall see his protection. Look, look at it with me, verse 4. It says this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The terrain has changed. In the blinking of an eye, we've left the green pastures. We've left the still waters. And now we find ourselves where every person will go, no matter who you are or what you believe in. We find ourselves now in the valley of death. If anyone knew what it meant to be in a valley of darkness, it was David. David lost a child. David had death threats all of his life. If anyone knew what it meant to to be in the valley, it was King David. To King David, the valley was a metaphor for the deepest darkness, the deepest sadness, the deepest pain. Can I ask you a question? Ever had a pain run so deep that if forgetfulness were a pill, you'd take the whole bottle? Ever had a pain run so deep that you're amazed that you're not bleeding? Let's be honest. Some of you right now are there. Life has turned for the worst. You have no joy. You have no happiness. You are in the deepest of valleys. But it's in this valley that David shall remind you and I That though the valley is real and the pain is real, you are not abandoned. You are not left by yourself. And David shows us multiple ways in which he reminds us that you and I are not alone. The first way is this. He says, even though I walk. Hope Church, let me tell you something right quick. That though your pain is real and though your sorrow is, is, is ever pressing on your heart, in the grand scheme of eternity, this is but a short walk. Your pain and suffering shall not last forever. Even though you may walk through cancer, even though you may walk through injustice, even though you may walk through the death of a loved one, this walk is but a short walk. It shall not last forever. And also, let me remind you of something. We have two ministries here at our church called the Hope Care Ministry and the Life Center with people who want to walk with you in the valley. They want to meet you where you are. They want to care for you. God simply says, not only, have I, not only will I not leave you, but I've sent my saints to come and get you. He also says, the shadow of death. I love this. A shadow is simply this. A partial darkness or absence of light upon a surface. I love this. 
A shadow simply means though something may look real, it's not. Though depression and sadness, though they may look as if they will overtake you, it can't. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says this. I love this quote. He says, death in its substance has been removed and only the shadow of it remains. Nobody is afraid of a shadow for a shadow cannot stop a Christian's pathway even for a moment. This is my favorite part. He says, the shadow of a dog can't bite. The shadow of a sword can't kill. And the shadow of death cannot destroy. I'm, I, uh, Paul, Paul says it this way. First Corinthians says it this way. Paul says, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Let me just remind you of this, that though you may find yourself in the darkest of moments, you have not been left alone. One day, a father and son were sitting in the car. And a bee had come into the car, and the son was afraid, and the father caught the bee and tossed it out the window. Well, ten minutes later, the bee came back, and the son is now afraid again. And the father says, son, look at my hand. I caught the stinger. So now all the bee can do is simply buzz. Do you not know that on the cross of Christ Jesus, he caught the sting of death? And so now your fear, your depression, all those things, they can only make a noise because they cannot contain you. You have not been left alone. And then he says, you are with me. I love this, man. King David, in verses 1 through 3, he talks in third person. He shall lead me. He shall guide me. But in verse 4, the you, the, 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 the he now becomes a you, first person. What are you saying, Pastor Ricky? David is saying that God is closer to you in your darkness than he was when life was perfect. The he now becomes a you. Some of you right now, you've only come to God because you found yourself in the valley. And there is where God met you. In fact, Psalm 34 says it this way. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushed in spirit. Dallas Willard would say it this way, God is always where the suffering is. Do you not know that in your darkest moment, my Savior does not back up from you, but he actually comes to you? You have not been left alone. And it's not only that the Savior is with you, but it's also what the Savior brings with him, his rod and his staff. Christ says, I came to fight. I came to fight for you. So I had to bring my weapons, the rod and the staff. The rod was a defense tool to, to, to push away the coyotes from the sheep. But also the staff was to, to guide and navigate the sheep, even saving them from themselves. Here it is. Sometimes when you and I are going through suffering, it is hard to think straight. But God says, even in those moments, I'm navigating you to the, to the paths of righteousness. You have not been left alone. Um, <laughs> so um, every couple of years, me and all of my black pastor friends of mine, we'll get up and hang out. You know, we'll, we'll kick it. Christian way. Relax. <laughs> uh, and so a couple of years ago, we decided to go to uh, <laughs> Montana. <laughs> You go ahead and ask it, Ricky, why would 10 black guys go to Montana? <laughs> and my answer is, mind y'all business. <laughs> I'm going to do with y'all. 
No, 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 no. A, a friend of ours knew someone who owned an 11,000 acre ranch. Beautiful. So, so we get there, we're, we're talking to the owner, we're getting our stuff, and, and then the owner says, um, hey, by the way, uh, we have some coyotes in mountain lions on the premises. Like, you ever get nervous and start rubbing your chest? Mount lines, uh, you said, what, what, sir? And so I do what comes natural to me when I'm afraid. I run. And so, um, and so I'm running now to the cabin, and I bust through the cabin door, and I see it. Taxidermy. <laughs> what is all of these bears, lions, tires? What, like, do you know how... <laughs> To take a nap in a mountain lion looking at you? Like, do you not know how afraid that? That's a, come on, man. Nothing about me says I enjoy mountain lions. Come on, somebody. But so, you know, but, but, but I finally calmed down, uh, and, and I go outside, man, and I'm staring at the snow caps. They're beautiful. Um, and then my mentor says, Ricky, don't look too high at the snow caps because life can't sustain that high up. But in the valley, there's food for your soul. Some of you are thinking that God is only good when life is good. But God says, actually, in your darkest moment, I'm just as good, and I can provide for you. So what does it mean for the shepherd's protection? It simply means this. Even in this dark time, Jesus is still protecting me and comforting me. Say it with me, church. I am not alone. All right, now to our last point. We will see the shepherd's. Promises. Verse 5 and 6 says this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. David says, you anoint me with oil. This idea of anointing, um, it means that someone had extreme favor on you, that, that, that you were special to them. And so, and, and, but here's a, here's a great, great part about this anointing. Pastor Tom reminded me that this anointing only happens one time. Everything else in the text is, is continuous. Green pastures, plural. Still waters, plural. But why this one thing one time? Why this anointing one time? Well, the greatest gift that God can show you his favor is his son. When he gave you his son, he showed you his love his favor and his grace. Hear me. David says, not only did you give me your son, but you gave me all of your son. Hear me, Hope Church. When God gave you Jesus, he gave you everything. And David says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. But this last part says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. I love this. As David is sitting on his throne. He comes to this conclusion that when life was good, you were with me. When life was bad, you were with me. And so that means that you shall be with me forever. When life was good, Jason, you were with me. When life was bad, Scott, you were with me. And you shall be with me forever. And he says, yes. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Now, this word goodness, it means simply this. Steady kindness and support. This word mercy, it means this. God has said his immovable love. He says God's support 
and his mercy and love shall follow me. Now, this word follow, it does not mean someone simply lagging behind. It means someone chasing you. Charles Spurgeon would say that it was like having two guard dogs. Bishop G.E. Patterson would say it was like having two escorts. What this white preacher and this black preacher both understood about this Hebrew text was this. For those of us who place our faith in Christ Jesus, his goodness and his mercy shall chase you right into the presence of God. But David also reminds us of something beautiful. The greatest reward for David was not accolades or material things. The greatest reward for David was the presence of God. In Psalm 27, he would say it this way. One thing I ask for that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of his temple, of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. I love this. David says in verse 6 that all of the Bible is based off of this one thing. God with us. When life was good, God was with me. When life was bad, God was with me. And Lisa, when this life is over, God shall still be with me. The Christian life is this. Verse 1, life starts with God. Verse 6, life ends with God. And everything in between is all about God. Verse 1, life starts with God. Verse 6, life ends with God. And everything in between is all about God. Do you not know who you have in Christ Jesus? He will never leave you, never forsake you. And David says, so Hope Church, why are you wanting? i got to close here. The shepherd's promise is this. Jesus is with me, and his goodness and mercy shall follow me today, tomorrow, and forever. So, Pastor Ricky, I'm, I find myself hearing this sermon, but I still find myself wanting more from God. Well, let me tell you what the great pastor, S.M. Lockers, would tell me. He would say it this way. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want for rest, for he makes me lie down in green pastures. I shall not want for refreshment, for he leads me beside still waters. I shall not want for forgiveness, for he restores my soul. I shall not want for guidance, for he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I shall not want for companionship. For yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. I shall not want for comfort, for thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I shall not want for provision, for thou prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I shall not want for joy, for you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I shall not want for anything in this life, for goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall not want for anything in the life to come, for I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If God is your shepherd, what more do you want? This is yours. This is 
yours. So what more do you want? Some of you need rest and forgiveness and companionship. Christ says, come to me. I'm everything you need. So I got to ask this question for those of us who are Christians. Are you trusting in Jesus to lead your life? Next question. Are you trusting in Jesus to meet your needs? Some of you right now, you got some needs. You've been trying to do it on your own and you find yourself worn out, tired, and frustrated. The reason you're mad is because you're trying to meet your own needs. But God says, if you have placed your faith in me, you are mine. That is my responsibility. And lastly, what needs are you asking Jesus to meet? Man, my hope is that this altar will be full of people realizing that they've been trying to meet their own needs and they're tired and they're frustrated and they're angry and Christ is saying, not only do I forgive you, but come to me. If you don't know Jesus, my heart breaks for you. Put Put those back up. Because this is not yours. If you don't know Christ, these benefits of following Jesus, they are not yours. And I've only been in Las Vegas for a year, but I can tell you this. As I look out at our people, you're tired. You tried all you can. You find yourself in the same position, lost. But even though these are not yours right now, in a matter of minutes, they can be. Jesus left heaven came down to earth put on skin and flesh to simply say not only shall I save you from your sin but this is what I shall offer you so as our pastors come I want to pray Father my prayer is simply this that they have your people have seen your position your provision your protection, and your promises. And that we shall run to you. This is our prayer in Christ's name, amen. Hear me, hear me. My plea for you, if if any part of this message has gripped your heart, whether you're a Christian or not, my ask of you is this. Do not sit in your seat as if you don't need something from God. Come down here to us. We will love to pray with you. But Jesus would also love to meet you here. So would you do me a favor? Not worry about who's around you. Not worry about what they may think. But if you are in need of something from Jesus, from the top to the bottom even, please come to the altar. And if you don't know Jesus, me and these pastors would love to introduce you to him. The little girl had it right. The Lord is my shepherd. 
What more do I want? Let's stand. And as our worship team begins to sing, that is your cue to not be afraid but to be bold and to come down here and allow God to meet your needs.